0: Lord be with you, everyone. And before we come to what I have to say tonight, I want to share a quick announcement with you. And it is in answer, actually, to something so many of you have been asking for, probably for decades now. Um, September the 11th and 12th we have our bible school here in texas and it will um, be module one we're repeating it because there were uh, many who were interested they heard the reports of our original module one a few months ago and so this is module one september the 11th and 12th the difference is uh, because of everything that's happened we've Um, been conducting meetings on zoom and so it occurred to us let's do the bible school on zoom and so we want you to come here as a student but also for some that will be impossible and so you can come on zoom which will mean you will be one of the students in a live session here in bandera and So this isn't recorded, this isn't like this a video, this is live, you'll have your place in the class, and when we go to the bathroom, you go to the bathroom, when we stop for lunch, you stop for lunch, it's live, and we want to invite everyone to come join us, it might be the largest class we've ever had, who knows, but also we want you to come here for the unique joys that occur by being actually present as a student so if you want to come here as a student or if you want to zoom in as a student I want you to call Judy Uh, she's our event coordinator and because of the virus and everything else there's far too much to say just now So, if you want to come, if you're interested in what it takes to come, then call Judy. And that number is 830-328-3770. Okay, do you get it? 830-328-3770. That is not the regular number for our office. Uh, Judy's office is apart in another building, and she's sort of locked into herself there. And so, call Judy, she can tell you everything you need to know. Okay, let's go to Psalm 34. And we have, in times past, looked at Psalm 34 and also at this text. It's one of those texts that you can't get away from. I can't. I, I keep coming back to it. But every time we come back, there's fresh new revelation. And so it's verse 8. Psalm 34, verse 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, and notice that's in capital letters, which means the name of God, I am. O taste and see that I am is good. And that has been whirling around in my spirit the, these days. If you were with us on Sunday morning at our Zoom fellowship, I talked about that text. But you can keep with us because it's different to Sunday morning. Uh, that was uh, a good few hours ago for the Holy Spirit to have shown some glorious new things. And so here it is. Oh, taste and see... That I am is good. And we come to that little word that controls so much about understanding of God, is, is. I am is good, is good. He does not have any goodness. He is good, is. It means that it's his very being, It's not something that comes and goes. This is not a mood that God has. He's not in a good mood. No, he doesn't have any moods. He is good. In fact, it would be maybe better to say he is goodness. So he doesn't have a thing called goodness. He is it. Goodness, as we're understanding it here, it is the way God is. It's his being, his essence. God cannot be God without it. Take away his goodness, it is taking away his love, which means there is no God. It all falls apart. This is essential to the being of God. So there's never a time when you will come and discover a God who is harsh, and cruel, who has walked off and abandoned you, that, of course, describes the God that Adam invented in the Garden of Eden that is worshipped in many churches. But the real God that comes to us in the Scripture and in the face of Jesus is a God who never changes, never changes. He is the God who is goodness. You see, if he changes, you never know what to expect. I don't wonder that 99% of many people's prayers go unanswered because they never really are sure about asking in the first place. You know, um, we, we, we kill a prayer. And I'm, I'm very serious there. Uh, when we say, if it be your will because it means that I began to talk to him without a clue about how he felt. <clears throat> and I know that he felt good about this one time, but who knows, he might've had a bad night and, and and he doesn't like anything to do with it now. And I'm not being sarcastic. Um, if it be your will means I do not know what to expect. I, I've made my pathetic little case And then I just cancel the whole thing by saying, do what you want, if it be your will. When, in fact, the mind of God, the heart of God, the Father, is plainly stated in Jesus. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There's no difference that to see Jesus is to actually see the Father, and when I look at the life of Jesus, there's 99% of what I'm asking for anyway. And, and and Jesus is the yes and the amen to all the promises of God, says 2 Corinthians 1. And therefore, he is echoing who his father is. Please, don't, don't think of uh, three gods that don't get along. <clears throat> we have one God, three persons who are absolutely joined one. To the other, to meet the one is to meet the other. God is good. That is the greatest statement of this text. If, if you come away with that understanding, you never have to wonder about that again. You never have to ask God if he's good. <sighs> he is. And I say it again, he doesn't have it, he is it. and And, and it doesn't depend on you. You see, because that would again mean that God is not love. He's ready to be love if you act right. It doesn't mean that that God is good in accord with your doing what is supposed to be holy stuff. No, he's good. He's just plain good. In fact, Jesus said to the horror of the religious that he is good to the just and the unjust. He said, when it rains, he said, that's an expression of the goodness of God to, to our planet. And he, t- he doesn't go from field to field and say, well, this, this chap is a righteous chap. Give him a jolly good dose. And the next one, no, this is a wicked man. Hold off on the rain. He doesn't get any. No, Jesus said, and I'm, I can see the twinkle in his eye. He said, God is good to all. And you say, but they don't deserve it. Well, nor do you if you're going to talk that language. But God doesn't talk that language. He pours out his love, goodness, and blessing because of who he is, not because of who we are, not because we've done something to earn it. In fact, when we try to do something to earn it, we actually put a stop. We've turned away. We've stopped receiving grace, and we're now trying to make a bartering deal. Oh, taste and see, I am is good. The glory of God. I think we saw this the other day. I'll be quick. The glory of God. Remember, Moses wanted to see the glory of God. Know God in his glory in Exodus 33. And, And when that happened, he is told, I am said, I will cause my glory to pass before you. Then he said, I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. So he equated the glory of God with the goodness of God. Again, we're coming to the very beating heart of Holy Trinity. The goodness of God is the glory of God. And the glory of God as we have seen before, is uh, summed up in the idea of opinion, or that is what, what he thinks of us. What is his attitude toward us? What is God's heart toward you? That's his glory. That's the first meaning of the word glory. That's his majesty. That's his honor. That's his beauty. And all the other words that come along behind to describe glory. His glory is... His opinion toward you and I, that that he would want to be within us. He is the God who desires to be in our lives, not remote above us, shouting down commands, but a God who shares our life and wills to be goodness in us. And in our lives. And of course, the word glory also has within it intention, because glory is not an abstract, flat thing. Um, Glory is action, it's it's who he is, and therefore his opinion of us comes with action. Um, He's, what can I say? His glory is the movement of his being. It is the the, the pursuit of us that he wills to do and be good. And therefore, he is, is not simply saying it and looking at us from a distance. When I say opinion, it's not that he sits back in, in some lounge and says, well, this is my opinion. No, the opinion of God is his intention that he's carried out in the personal energy of his movement toward us. You know, you could say his goodness presses upon our lives. Goodness. Goodness overlaps love. It's, we, we, sometimes you feel you're talking about the same thing, which, of course, really you are. God is love, and therefore everything else we say of God, um, we see it within the scope of love, certainly goodness it's it's the infinite self-giving of God and he gives himself to us for our good our good you could say maybe that goodness and this is only maybe I'm stretching it a bit I think but but goodness is seeing God's love toward us in action it's it's a The goodness of God is how his love shows in your life and in your world. There's something beautiful about his goodness. Again, I could say that about his love. But when I see the what that love has done, the how he acts in our lives, goodness Goodness. Uh, you could define goodness as beauty. It is goodness is radiant beauty of God in front of our eyes. It's it's God's pleasantness, or you could say that His goodness is the source of delight. Good. You never come away from His goodness weeping. You never come away from his goodness in a depressed state of mind. His goodness enlightens you. In fact, it says elsewhere that he gives you a radiant face and you realize that the world is not as the lie tells us. God is good and he's working good. And that working of God comes out strongly another way of looking at goodness is his compassion that that was dominant in the life of jesus if you remember when when he saw persons who had never been told of the love and the purposes of god the, the the people that had been beaten and that's the word used there. in fact the word actually would be mauled as if you've been torn and shredded by a wild animal uh, and he says, religion has mauled you. It, it's beaten you, crushed you. And when he saw people in all their bondage of religion, it, it says he was moved with compassion. That is, he with them. He felt their brokenness, it, it, compassion. It, it is when your very innards are moved with love. It's a passion that says, I cannot let this condition remain. And Jesus looked at such, and it says moved. That is not just a passing idea, but again, the movement to act and do something and share truth. But then it says, when he saw the sick, when he saw all the sick people, again, he was moved with compassion. You see, this is what I mean. When when you are in prayer or speaking to God, people wonder if he's still like that, you know. Because religion has come up with the idea that this God does beat you up. That is all for your good, of course. Um, And he throws sickness around in bucket loads because that's his M.O. Well, obviously, not the God I'm talking about. I welcome you to the program, but understand you're not. You don't know the God revealed in Jesus Christ. He, he never acts in any other way than compassion to our brokenness and our hopeless lives. He comes another, in fact, maybe the main words we might describe goodness would be kindness. And the word kindness is a word in english that almost needs to be translated in english it means to it's love being useful that that is everything i need right now he fits it that's his goodness he perfectly fits my need and and i'll in that sense say his love is useful to me now I I find that just all that I needed, it just fits like jigsaw puzzle. That's his goodness. And, And gentleness He's so gentle, so tender. That is our God. Never make you cry. Puts his arms around you. Like to the woman taken in adultery that everybody expected would be stoned or... And all he does is embrace her with his eyes of divine love and says, where are your accusers? Neither do I condemn you. That's Jesus. You couldn't, you couldn't ask for more gentleness. He's generous. There is never a time he closes his hand against us. We have made him into a God that, that hates us to have more than enough It's a God who delights to see us walk away from the table hungry with last season's clothes too short on the kids. God somehow is pleased with that. No, he's not. He's good. And good means he looks after you. Another word would be caring. He cares for us. This isn't a casting all your care upon him. He cares for you. That's goodness. It includes the idea of keeping you safe. It includes providing for you when there's no place for it to come, protecting you on all fronts. Now, that's that's the God, and he's faithful to that. That is, I'm going back to no moods. No, he's faithful. You can rely on him. That's goodness And, and also fullness of life. It means life that is whole and healthy and abundant and leaping into life. So that on the days of creation, as he created, he summed every day with the words. As he saw what he'd created, he said, It is good. That is, there's no death in it, there is nothing to drag it down, there's no disease in it. It's whole, it's good that's the word Jesus went about doing good how does that look? Healing all who were oppressed of the devil now that let me emphasize is God is that is none of that don't drag any of those words I've just said down to our human level because we're very quick us humans to um what accolade people with the word good we, we it's, a, it's a useless word actually useless in our language because it can mean just about anything you know have a good day whatever that means because they don't have any ability to make it good but they just say have a good day i'm glad i'm glad they say that it sounds good it's positive but it's not this this comes With all the strength of God, this comes with the fullness of the meaning of God, love, goodness, and to penetrate every hour, minute, second of our day with divine goodness, wise goodness. Uh, So I don't mix this up. God isn't just saying, have a good day. He is giving his very self to us. He is goodness and then we um we, we look at the slightest movement of morality in a person and say he's a good boy he's a good lad good girl well okay if you want to go there in in terms of morality as to judging a person I suppose but but it it is it, it's, it's so weak it's so flimsy so fragile so nothing, just is a good person. No, no, let me introduce you to the God who is limitless goodness, whose depth of goodness goes beyond anything we can comprehend, that there is no one outside of the power and energy of his goodness. Okay, do you get that? I'm talking deity here. This is who God is. This is divine goodness. And we're called here, or invited, to taste and to see that I am is good. Now, it is saying that we are invited to participate in deity. That's what it says. I mean, to taste is to to ingest, it's to imbibe, it's to take into yourself and that which you ingest becomes part of you. And he is saying here that our food, our food we're, we're supposed to be eating of the divine. we were created to share in God's very being. It's who you are. And this is Old Testament. Wait till the New Testament comes and Jesus blows the lid off of that and says that the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit dwell inside of you and are perfectly home there. This is, this is, this is Christianity. This is the gospel that we unite with the very being of God and, and we are sustained by God himself being our food. Now, stand back and take a look at that. It says taste. That anticipates a lot, but also it, it meant something to the the fellow who wrote this. But you, you think about it. If you're going to taste something, then the food that you're going to taste has got to be available. I know that's pretty obvious, but you you can't taste food that isn't there. You can't taste food that you only read about in menus and recipes, right? If you are going to eat the food, it has got to be available to you right now. And usually... That would mean that the table has been prepared. That, that's a, a word in the scripture anyway that, that speaks specifically of a table that has been set and, and the food is there is prepared so that you can come immediately. You have prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. It's not saying, well, you know, hang around. The meal would be ready in an hour or so. No, prepared means come, get it. It's available, prepared. It's been set before you, and and I won't go here. Th- this is very obvious, but you've got to think about it. The food has got to be compatible to you. That is, when you come to the table, the food that is there ha- has got to have compatibility with your body, and that includes you know, the fact that you have the body of wherever you live. Um, what people can eat in Asia and Africa and India is not always what people here in America can eat uh, it, it's it 's got to be compatible, and those obvious facts are suddenly blown to magnificence in in the gospel because do you remember in Titus three it speaks of God? becoming our flesh and it uses at least one of the definitions of goodness and actually could in this case be translated goodness it says the kindness of god our savior and his love parallels goodness and love his love for mankind has appeared he said the goodness of god his kindness And his love has appeared inside our human flesh. He has come where we are. He is compatible with us. Do you understand the incarnation in those words? That God, through the womb of the Virgin Mary, took to himself our humanity for real and was born into our darkness into the pit that we called life where we had been dumped by the lie so that we didn't even know who we were didn't even know the glory to which we had been created and destined and jesus comes there the kindness of god has appeared The word in the Greek for appeared, we have actually made it an English word. Um, We say um, epiphany. Um, The word is epiphania. And, And he says the kindness of God and the love of God. He said it has epiphany. It's been like a blaze of light. Suddenly every light was turned on and we saw reality. That the God is not what we thought him to be. God is not the monster. He's not the one who is against us. He's not craving to punish us. He is not so remote that he's disgusted with us and can't look at us. No. The lights came on, and the lights came on in that this God has come and joined us. So there's no separation between us. He joined us so completely. He joined us in all of our life. And I um, said this a lot, but I mean, God went to sleep on on a third world cot every night and came up, washed his face in, in, in the well outside and came in for breakfast. God knows. God knows what it is to get up in the morning to go to work. And he did it. Well, from 12 years old to coming on 30. And and he knows being a businessman. Please wake up. Incarnation means that that boy, teenager, young man walked the streets of Nazareth and nobody had a clue who he was. But he was really God creator. God. Good. The good God sat and he did his taxes <clears throat> which came in from the temple and from Rome he was tempted in all points like as we are what am I saying that he, he went into work and he had his hours of serving the public and collecting the bills he, he knew what it was to have relaxing time and to play and to visit with friends and have social times and go to weddings and he absolutely joined us where we are. And there is not a temptation you've had. There is not a lie that has ever spewed out of the mouth of Satan, but that Jesus faced it and overcame it and kept his eyes on his father. Wouldn't you say he became the one who is totally compatible with us? Wouldn't you say that he who is God couldn't be more available to us? He's giving himself to us where we are, sitting in our chair, living our life. He's announcing no separation. He's telling us goodness has joined us and joined us not because we made such a fuss that we wanted it, We didn't even know it had happened. It was God's initiative. Do you realize that? God's initiative. And I say it again, for 30 plus years he lived with neighbors who didn't know who he was. This is 100% God's initiative. All this stuff about you've got to be worthy to have the goodness of God. Then, well, that's the end of the human race. Forget it. No, God takes the initiative. God owns his goodness. God came on God's will and God's intention. He came because he wanted to give himself to you and I. And by his own will, he goes to the cross and carries us with him. We've talked about that so much. And he carries the human broken race into the grave. He rises, he's exalted. And in exaltation, he places himself through the Holy Spirit within us. Within us. Well, that sounds like eating, doesn't it? And he said that this is the gospel. He says, I, speaking of Jesus himself, he said, I am in the Father. In, inside the Father, united one. But then he says, and I'm inside of you. So that means he who is inside the Father is inside of us, then we are inside of him who's inside the Father. We're right in the middle of the embrace of the Trinity. That's the gospel. It's the gospel. He said, I am the vine, you are the branches. I am inside of you and you are inside of me. That's the gospel. That's what we were made for. The whole gospel is about the end of all the perceptions of separation and for us to realize the unspeakable that God himself in his glorious goodness and love comes to live inside of us so that I live yet no longer I. It is Christ who lives in me, he said. Well, begging the question how do we eat if if this is what life is or in fact um can we can we you know these, these other sacred cows have you noticed sacred cows take a long time to die and they make more noise dying than any other animal sacred cows eternal life i, I you just slide through the web slide through what any evangelical is saying eternal life we're going to live forever and ever which of course means you've got to die first to get it and jesus this is one of the plainest in, in john 17:3 defines eternal life as if so i'm not he he said this is eternal life colon this is it define it you put it in your dictionary he said, eternal life is not living forever. Oh, Pierce, you will, but it's, that's not eternal life. Eternal life isn't just two trillion days one after another and then we start another two. No. Eternal life, he said, is that you know the Father and know His Son, Jesus. And the word know there is the word that is used to describe the marriage union that results in conception of children. That's the word. He said that you might be joined to the Father, might know him at the deepest, most intimate level as goodness himself embraces you, and to know me, Jesus the Son, that's eternal. That's living. Stop saying eternal life. Actually, it's a very poor translation. It's the life of the enduring age. It, it's, and it's the life that is now. That's the definition. It's enduring. It's enduring life, but but it's enduring because it's God's own life, and and it's not just up there somewhere. It's here. It's now. It throbs inside of us. That God, at His initiative, at His doing comes within us. The Holy Trinity dwells within you right at this moment. There's no separation. When Jesus rose from the dead, ascended and gave the Holy Spirit, you might have shouted out across the pasture, supper's ready. Come and eat. Come and eat. Well, how how do you eat? How, How do you eat The invisible God, it's quite a question. Well, I know he's invisible up to a point, but he's, he's visible to our inside eyes. He is present to every person listening to me. Totally present. See, he said he's in you. Can't get much more present than that and you being much bigger than your body you do know that your your the energy of who you are extends and, and and so he's sort of in front of these eyes as well as in speaking to my innermost person he is present maybe our problem is we're we're so busy and distracted we don't hear him we've never recognized him and We've been taught we're supposed to do all the trying to be like him instead of the amazing fact that he of his initiative came to us before we asked him. So he's there. What what I'm saying is, if you would eat of God who is good, if you would actually eat and digest goodness, then let's settle down to realize and be aware that the good God is here and he is now. He is for you. He that spared not his only son, how shall He not with him freely give us all things? Please don't recite that text to prove a point. Uh, don't go slamming them in people's faces, uh, mugging them. Let that verse sink into you. He that spared not his only son, if he has given to you his only son, then logic shall he not then freely give you all things. That God is now immediately present to you. That is God the Father, he spared not his only son, but his only son gave himself freely. And so that son is immediately present to you, compatible with you, knowing every millisecond of where you're at. He's with you, he's in you. Couldn't be closer. It's the Holy Spirit. That, that makes all this a reality, realizes it in us. So give thanks. Just give thanks. I suppose that's a bit of a spiritual way of saying things. Be, be grateful. Have you ever just sat back and said, thank you, thank you, thank you? Sat back and just gave thanks to God that he is who he is but he's incomparable among all the religions of the world. Just thank you. And, And then you could take a step down and thank him for everything he's done. You might think I'm nuts, but I thank every bird for their song. I thank every grass for its color, every leaf on every tree. I'm living in a creation that is amazing. Give thanks to God. It was all his idea. Do You see, give thanks to the God who is good. And he is now, at this moment, good to you. It is not something pie in the sky. He is good to you right now. And don't say, but yes, everything's wrong in my life. We'll get there. But it might be a jolly good idea to take your eyes off your life right now and give thanks to God. I think maybe, could I say, at least 40% of the problems in life is that we look at the problems of our life. And not only look, but we eat them. And they become the poisonous food of our beings. Now, let's get our eyes off. And let's... Let's realize the goodness of God to us, just where we are in whatever situation we find ourselves. It it is so. It is now. It is so now to you. Look, he is risen from the dead. He is present with us. Let's get away from all that Sunday school stuff. We would talk about it. And you got your little pins because you remembered it. Now, Now, let's get real. Jesus, Messiah, is alive. And he is now in your life. And he is now speaking to you about his goodness and the goodness of the Father which is made actual in you through the good holy spirit he's speaking to you and 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 he is telling you i am is good good he is telling you that all that you know of him he is in this micro moment right now he is And every promise that is made, He is the Amen, which means it is so done. That's fact. He, Jesus, is the Amen, which means that you find a promise, and it's not for somebody in the past. It's it's not for some. Future. It is in this moment, this pressing moment, Jesus Himself is saying to you that promise, and as He says it, He said, I'm giving it to you now. The Amen is so. You have it. You say, Well, look at my life. It doesn't look like it. No, I understand that. And your intellect can never fathom or work out how that goodness is now to you and in your life it was never meant to your your intellect was never meant for such high and lofty and wonderful things your intellect just slugs away day after day, thinking about life and looking at what the senses present to it and adding two and two, and it always comes to four. But there's another, a lot bigger part of you that was made to walk with God, made to see him and know him and partner with him. And, And so that, as he presents himself to you, it is so H- how then how then can i ever know it is so now well can i can i go negative for a minute cuz i think you fully understand the negative you're experts at the negative you get gold medals in the negative cuz see the negative of what i'm trying to say here is anxiety. Did you know that? No, stay with me. The the negative, the polar opposite of what I'm talking about is anxiety. And you do it all the time. At least a lot do. I haven't met anybody. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you about it because I've been there. So, I mean, what, what is it? Well, number one, it's receiving the lie. But you receive the lie in pictures, vivid pictures sometimes. It's imagination in which there are conversations going on as if there's more than one person in your brain. And, and of course, it's in your imagination, not your brain. But as it's going on and you you picture, and it's always picturing doom, darkness, hopelessness, apocalypse. Um, If you're talking about your, your... Pantry and refrigerator. Then you get pictures of starvation. We're evicted from our house. You see, we see it in vivid pictures. No, no, no—not that any of it's happened yet. But um, we we get it, and along with those pictures comes real feelings. I mean, they're not made up. They are real feelings attached to the pictures that we are indulging in. And when I say indulging, I mean we don't exactly say no to them, do we? We encourage it. We say yes to the pictures. We, we investigate, and they get a bit worse, you see, as the hours go by. And we, as we do so, we have feel. Do you know the feelings are so real? Your blood pressure can go up. You know this is real. Your your heartbeat goes out of space, and and, and your stomach is twisted and nuts. You might even throw up. Good grief. You can't sleep at night, you twist and you turn. Why, because you have focused on a lie, because none of this has happened, but you're you're adding up with your intellect and coming to a conclusion and saying, this is where must be leading. But then it moves over into this living thing, this, this picture. And, and and that picture, like all imagination, is a preview of movies to come. This is telling you: this is the way life is going. This is for sure. This is for sure. And I wake up, and my heart's beating on top of my chest, with all the feelings. And and, and we believe it sure as history. It's fascinating to talk to a person in anxiety because, you, you, from the outside, you can see how. No, this isn't so. This isn't so. Uh, And of course, there's. have you noticed, when you're anxious, God is not in the picture. No, no place for him there uh, because he would change the whole history. But uh, when a person is there, they're unmoved even by human logic. They're, They're absolutely sure and they'll fight to the last to prove it. Sure, we're damned and we're doomed and it's finished. That's anxiety. Why? Because you ate. That's the point. You ate a lie. A lie that began to produce an image of what is to be, and if you keep that up, you will make it be. It will come to pass. But that, that's what eating... Eating is imbibing. Eating is taking in. Well, I am saying... Let us go to the God who cannot lie. Let us go to the God who has revealed himself in the face of Jesus Christ. And he's immediate to you right now. And Jesus himself is saying, he stands behind his promises. I want you to turn to him in the midst of the darkness and in the midst of the fears Where you portray a future that is not, but you've made it so in your head. And I want you to take his promise and realize that is where you're going. So don't try and fight the anxiety. That's a losing battle. Rather, concentrate on another possible. Jesus said all things are possible. Well, you have gone into a possible, for sure. But let's say God has a possible. Goodness has a possible for you. Love has a possible for you that you have not considered. And it's all wrapped up in Jesus. Go to him. And I ask you, what is the possible what is the possible that your heart cries for? It's backed up by Scripture, backed up by the very presence of Jesus, and that could be in the realm of what I said in anxiety. You say, well, I don't have a job. I, I, I don't have money. Well, I mean, the Scripture says that he loves you. He cares for you. The Scripture says be anxious for nothing. Why? Because God knows. The Father knows And when goodness knows, you can relax. Why not set yourself a picture in that place deep inside of you where those pictures are? A picture of God's goodness in your life. A picture where there's food on the table. A picture where you have money that can supply the needs of your family. A picture... Of you healthy. You see, you don't try and say no to the sickness and, and curse it and say it's oh, the devil and I've got to have enough faith to get rid of it. No, 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 no. Relax. He's good. He's kind. Go to the picture of yourself as healthy, no longer broken, no longer in that state of ill health. See yourself as God says. His wholeness. Remember, goodness means the abundance of life. See yourself. What do you? Well, you, uh, anxiety is always attended by complaining. Complaining is vocal anxiety. Well, faith is always accompanied by thanksgiving. And so I said, we begin to thank God for who he is now. Thank God for that which he is to you. You say, you know, that sounds New Age-ish. Well, I, I guess you'd say that. But of course, um, I, I got this straight out of the Bible. I'm sorry. It, look, look, take a look at the great failures of Israel. And, and the New Testament says that they are given to us as examples that can change our lives. Do you remember when they, in the land you've heard so much on this, but um, when they looked at the gigantic persons who possessed the land that God had given them? Do you remember they said, We were grasshoppers? Well, of course, that was an absolute lie because. God had said that they would, in the eyes of any opponent, they would be like 10 or 20 or 100 persons. One person would look like 100. And that he had given them the land so that they were not there to sort of wrench it from, it was given to them. But no, they they saw themselves, saw themselves. Notice that, saw themselves. And, And they said, therefore, we know that they see us like grasshoppers. Whereas the report from their side that came out years later was, they were terrified of these people. No, so they didn't see them as grasshoppers. They were not grasshoppers. But they said, we are, and that's how we see ourselves, and that's how everybody sees us which meant they totally lost that land and they wandered in meaningless circles for 40 years. Or maybe the one that, you know, do you remember Goliath? In other words, giant fellows. And he came against Israel and for six weeks, a long time. Every day he came right up to their trenches, laughed in their face, said what he would do to them if he got his hands on them and uh, give me a man who would come and fight me and everybody hid why because they ate his words and they tasted Goliath and saw that he was a monster that would devour them do you understand so what were they doing? Because he came every morning and every evening. What were they doing in, in, in between times? They had a picture in their head of their own demise. They saw in their head Goliath killing them. And so when he came back, they were already hiding. Because they had eaten the lie and they meditated and had pictures of it in their head, which resulted in their behavior. And would have resulted in being fulfilled. Unless David hadn't showed up. And when David showed up. He had a different set of pictures. And and he must have had them before he got there. Must have been a way of life. You know. A way of life that continually saw the goodness of God. Had pictures of that happening in his life. Because. Because. When he showed up, he said, what's the fuss about? God, and he introduces God. They hadn't even thought of God. Good grief. Anxiety never does. But he introduces God. He says, God God could handle this. And, and he began to draw on old pictures out of his imagination. I, I had a lion that came to devour my sheep. And the Lord gave me strength, and I killed the lion. And a bear came, and the Lord gave me strength. Because he's a good shepherd. So he strengthened me to be a good shepherd. Well, this character out Who does he think he is? He's threatening God's people. Who'll be the first to go? And, of course, he finds out nobody would. And so he, you know the story. But David was operating on something that he saw in his head. He was not looking at Goliath. He did not hear what Goliath said. He was seeing God inside of him and God in the situation. And he heard what God said about the situation. And so when he goes to face Goliath, and Goliath says his old same speech, and David said, oh, no, you've got it wrong. He says, you, you've got yourself into trouble, man. Have you got yourself into trouble? Your arms are too short to box with God. You you, you have dared to, to come against us, the people of God. Well, this day, this day, I've seen it. Said, I, I, this day, you're going to be falling down here. You're over. You're finished, man. David operated because he'd been eating something else. He'd been not eating Goliath. In fact, he didn't even, the food repulsed him. Rather, he was eating of the covenant promises of God. And that was old covenant. You are in the new covenant. And Jesus himself speaks his promises to you. And for you to take those promises... And begin to picture your life with those promises in operation. You are doing what David did. You you, you take a picture of God's goodness. What would that look like in my house today? What would that look like in my work or lack thereof? What would it look like in my body, the goodness of God? I'm eating wholesale what the doctors are saying. I'm eating everything Google tells me about this disease. Well, let, let let's let's try another picture. Let let's let's hear what Jesus says. Let's see the goodness of God in terms of health. And now let's 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 choose to think about that. Bible calls it meditation, but it, it's it's turning it over, just like. Well, what do you know? The dictionary definition is like the, the cows and the sheep chew the cud. You know, they keep re-digesting. It's a food word. You take it and you choose now to turn that over. Uh, sit on your favorite quiet place and just choose to think of what your life is going to be like when the goodness of God is manifested. But think of it in terms of now. Feel it. Yes? So anxiety gave you all those feelings. Anxiety nearly put you in a hospital. Uh, you, you're allowed to feel this, you know. It's only religion that's a dead codfish. You, you can feel this. You can get excited at the goodness of God appearing in your life like an epiphany. the goodness the kindness of God your savior and his love for you has epiphania it's in a suddenly the lights are on you're seeing the goodness of God in your life and hunkering down to make that the food of your thoughts and your deepest heart and to go over it and over it and to enter into it and to give thanks to God. That is your greatest prayer. Because many times our word prayers, um, they, they we, we stumble at them, not quite sure what to say. And, and also, you do know that every word you say is accompanied by a picture. You know, maybe I not thought about it. But whenever you say the word cat, you see a picture of a cat. I mean, it's a microsecond, but every word is an image. So let's start the other way around and start with the image to become our words. Oh, I I hope you've got this. it's, um, It's in every area. Your relationship with God. How do you... How do you meditate on your relationship with God? Do you ever see him as delighting over you? And then do you you sit and think about that? Just let the Holy Spirit wash it around in you? Do you ever see him say to you, you are my beloved son, my beloved daughter, in whom I am well pleased? Have you heard him say that? I mean, you're you're in Christ, and he says that to Christ, so he says it to you you ever just been in his and let him speak into you until you see that? That's who you are. I, I tried to share this weeks ago when I talked about Psalm 91. But when I go out there, I have this image. Yeah, I see we're pictures. But I, I have this image. Actually, the Bible gives you all these images. You don't have to make them up. In the Old Testament, it says it's a shield, and the actual word there would be wrap-around shield, sort of you're encased. And and, and I have that. It's, it's an image I have that I am encased in goodness. I am encased in such health that I repel all the plague and disease. Um. And, and I've got the whole of the Old Testament to back that up. So I, I, I don't go around cursing the yeah, I, you know, I Oh, God, save me. Uh, rebuke the devil. No, no, forget it. That's all done at the cross. I, I now have this living person who is in me and around me and that repels the fear. I, I have one who so loves me, he attracts all that I need. He is one that so delights in me, he opens my inner eyes and floods me with light and speaks deeply of his love in my heart. Enables me to sit here and out of me flow rivers of living water. Well, I can only tell you. Because eating is the most intimate reception of life that you'll ever have. I mean, no one can eat for you. I can't tell you I'm going to have dinner for you tonight. <clears throat> Only you can. No, nor can after you've eaten, nobody else can have an opinion of your meal. It's your unique experience. You can't borrow somebody else's taste of the food. And, and really, no one can challenge your report on how it tasted. Um, some would try, but they they can't because it was you doing the tasting most intimate, most intimate. Can't get any more intimate than than eating. And of course, even more so, we become what we eat. What you take takes you. That's a fact. Whether it's visible or invisible, you take it. And you, you receive, you take the goodness of God and sorrow and sighing, flee away. And that's the scripture. Well, I've got to quit. Time has gone. And. Well, that's it. And now the blessing of God, who is almighty love, the father, the son and the Holy Spirit. Open your deepest eyes. That you may hear his voice that calls you to come, taste and see his goodness. And that in this week, this week shall be the beginning of weeks to you. You shall mark this as a day in your history. When you began to revel in God's goodness in every part of your life. To this end I bless you and that is the way it is.